This episode of the Upper Discussion Podcast is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Launched in Kelowna, BC, and now expanding to Montreal, Whiskey Lane is on a mission to share their obsession with quality food and drinks with growing audiences by keeping the best local flavors on their minds and on their tongues. No matter what your business needs to grow, Whiskey Lane knows how to make it happen. Whiskey Lane, bringing long lines to the producers of specialty food and drinks. Go to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And that's whiskey, the Canadian way, without an E. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to episode 301 of Up for Discussion, a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Every week, we tackle a different ingredient, dish, or style of cuisine, sharing our favorite recipes and learning from our wonderful guests. Today, we're talking all about Hanukkah and the food around it. Latkes, sufganiyot, basically those two things. Hanukkah food, lots of oil. Eight days worth, in fact. Anyway, before we get into that, I do want to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, I think it's important to remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. I think during the holidays, it's especially kind of a, a interesting time to think about this. I mean, obviously, I've been saying this because we had American Thanksgiving a couple weeks ago, and Canadian Thanksgiving a few weeks before that, and I feel like this is a time of year where a lot of kind of uh, <laughs> European-influenced holidays are happening, and uh, it's really hard for me not to reflect a little bit on, like, you know, what that means in the grand scheme of things. How uh, there's a lot of holidays that are really rooted in Christianity, which, uh, spoilers, so was uh, a lot of colonialism, <laughs> frankly. Uh, so I think that there there is something to be said for thinking about, like, you know, what can we be focusing on this holiday season, you know, regardless of what you celebrate, you know, maybe you're like me and you kind of secularly celebrate Christmas because it's nice to give gifts and have trees. But, you know, thinking about like what what other things are there kind of going on around here? And for me, the big one is obviously the winter is just a time when it is important to give money to people who are in need. The winter is a time when it's important to shelter people who are in need because it's really cold outside, especially if you live where I live, where it is cold outside for like seven months of the year. And this is part of that. So I would say just, you know, whatever you're doing this holiday season, think about the people around you. Think about your relationship to the land that you live on. Think about the indigenous people whose land you are on. And uh, think about ways that you can maybe do a little bit of giving this year uh, in ways that might be helpful for that. So obviously it is Hanukkah later this week, and I thought it might be fun to chat with a couple of my friends about the food traditions surrounding everyone's favorite eight-night-long festival of lights. Now, full disclosure, I am not Jewish. I did not grow up celebrating Hanukkah. I have a lot of Jewish friends, so I got invited to the occasional Hanukkah party, for sure, but it's kind of far from my own personal family traditions, and I'm also super far from being an expert on it. So I thought I would throw it to my co-host David Hall and our buddy Andy Sherman and let them give me a little lesson in Hanukkah food. You know, because they are both Jewish and I'm not, and uh, that's... 
that's how you got to do things. Sometimes you got to throw it to people who know what they're talking about more than you do so that you can get a better appreciation for their culture. So yeah, kick back and enjoy this roundtable discussion about oily fried Hanukkah treats. And if you feel so inclined, maybe go make your own lot because this week I'm doing it. You know that already because, you know, you're probably going to see them uh, on Instagram. If you don't, you can follow the show on Instagram at Down With Talking and follow my personal Instagram at Tom Zalatni. You'll get all kinds of food photos. It's a good time. To all my Jewish listeners, happy Hanukkah. I know that it's a weird year for celebrations. I hope that whatever you are doing and whoever you're with and wherever you are, you're able to celebrate safely and feel some love and worth this week. All right, let's get into it. For today's special Hanukkah-themed food episode, uh, I am joined by my wonderful co-host David Hall and also by our wonderful friend Andy Sherman. Andy is uh, one of the other players on Natural Toonie, the D&D podcast that David and I are both on, and... uh, Spoilers is also Jewish like David, so I'm getting the two of them to tell me all about Hanukkah food today. So guys, how you doing? I'm good. I'm a bit sick today, so I'm a little congested, but I'm excited to talk about latkes. Yeah. I'm going against the Jewish uh, stereotype, and I'm actually not sick today, so that's cool. (laughs) Is that a stereotype? I've never heard that. My back hurts. Oh dear. Oh my sciatica. Oh my scoliosis. My allergies. See, now you guys just sound like you're making fun of me. These are all just problems I have. Hang on a minute. (laughs) You might be Jewish. So the week this comes out, obviously, uh, later in the week, it is Hanukkah. Hanukkah, the festival of lights. Hanukkah, a celebration of oil that burned for many, many days. Am I wrong to assume that that is why latkes are typically eaten at Hanukkah? Because they're oil fried and it's a celebration of lots of oil? That is exactly right, honestly. That's pretty much it, yeah. (laughs) I'm sure that there have been people who have commented on it and gone into depth as to why exactly these foods, but mostly because oil and stuff. I like that. I think that makes sense. I like the idea of a holiday where it's like, okay, we're celebrating a resource. Let us use the resource. It's really straightforward. It goes with the the Hanukkah, uh, the, sorry, the Jewish holiday thing. It's, I think, Alan King is a comedian who said, every Jewish holiday can be summed up with, they tried to kill us, we won, let's eat. That's pretty much it, right? That's the story. That's, I mean, there's a bit more to the story because it wasn't just that we didn't die. It was that a single jug of oil that they found lasted for eight days when it was only supposed to last for one. Yeah, but that's like the, like the, the, the part that they tell to children to make it more interesting and like mystical. Like, I feel like the real sort of miracle was the fact that this little group of rebels actually managed to retake the entire city from, you know, the ruling... I want to say Romans probably <laughs> probably Romans yeah I mean that's interesting right like the the sort of here's the adult side of it which is you know we had a political victory and here's the kids side of it which is we had some oil and it was good it's like isn't it neat that like you know miracles can happen I mean I think both are part of the story it's just that the the sort of fire burning for longer than it's supposed to is a more tangible sort of thing right and it's also something that you can celebrate a lot more easily by lighting. Uh, you know, every, every house can light their own little Hanukkah, and not every house can topple some Romans uh, well, for Well, I days. mean, clearly <laughs> the new tradition should be that a small band of people go out and just overthrow capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate it. <laughs> just overthrow the establishment. Yeah. Uh, light a candle before going out, and mm-hmm. you'll succeed. Maybe that's, that's the issue, that... Uh, 
the what most of the problems are facing these days is just a band of people haven't gone out and lit a candle before trying to overthrow capitalism. How many jugs of oil do you think it would take to get the White House to burn for eight days? Well, I mean, just the one, right? That's the miracle. There we go. <laughs> oh, yikes. I'm going to get in trouble for that one. <laughs> if you weren't on a list before, you were probably already on a list. Oh, my God. It, it so. is constantly baffling to me that I'm not on any lists. Well, as far as you know. I guess technically we are on a list of the top Newfoundland podcasts. <laughs> we um, are. And- Okay, so we got a little bit of the history. We got a little bit of the, like, what Hanukkah is. I have some facts that I prepared, if you want. Yeah. I did some research. Absolutely. I will never say no to facts and research. So the first one, uh, the latkes that we know today are very, very different from the ones that uh, people knew about 100 years ago. Okay. There was a strain of fungus in the 50s that affected almost all of the latka trees in the world. And so they had to clone the few trees that were left, and that made the, the, those ones were made from King Edward potatoes instead of Yukon gold. And so all the latkes today are cloned from that original latka tree because latkes don't have seeds and so they can't uh, spread themselves. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, another one here. Uh, a single latka is actually called a latko. That that makes sense with what I know about uh, Hebrew naming conventions and, you know, how to pluralize things. Another one, uh, here's another one is that uh, so some of the herbs that are required to make latkes are actually very, very rare and expensive. And they're only native to Japan, so most of the latkes that you see today or eat today are actually just dyed hash browns. Interesting. Well, I guess that makes sense. We don't talk about it a lot, but there is a really large Jewish population in Japan. The last one is actually not specifically latke related, but uh, it's related to the holiday. Uh, The true spelling of Hanukkah is actually lost to time. Nobody actually knows how to spell it. Uh, If you ask a rabbi, they'll just give you some sort of combination of C's and H's and N's and K's and stuff, but they don't know the real truth. No, the the story is that people did know the original uh, spelling of it, but um, in the time of the Maccabees, when the story of Hanukkah happened and the fire was burning for longer than they expected it to, they had put up a bunch of signs, like Happy Hanukkah signs, to celebrate the first Hanukkah, obviously. Right, as you do. But they all uh, burnt up in that fire that lasted eight days, and that was all the written copies of the word Hanukkah. So since then, people have just been guessing. Obviously, those first three were, were jokes. That last one's kind of true, right? <laughs> <laughs> it certainly feels like it is. It's not an English word, so you can just kind of write however you want. That's it. That's one of those things like, I, I, this isn't a podcast about like language and international relations, but I, I feel like I always get really annoyed when people get really like like particular about spelling words that weren't originally written in like the English alphabet, the English alphabet, woof. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> this alphabet. Uh, Cause it's always just like, yeah, no, like this is our best approximation. That is why there are like 17 different ways to spell it. Get over it, accept it, move on. And can we just go over sort of right. Yeah. Can we just go over a quick, how each of us spells the word Hanukkah out of curiosity? Sure. Do you want me to go first as the resident? Tom, you have to go first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my default, I think, is H-A-N-U-K-K-A-H. Dang, that's mine too. Okay. I do the C-H in the front. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You got to have the H-E-H, but I feel like... I feel like because I don't say the heh when I say it out loud, I w- anytime that I type it with the ch, I feel like a poser a little bit. <laughs> I just write it without the c because when I, it's I find it easier to read without the c because when I read it with the c, it gets the harsh ch in it, and I sure. just 
it's it makes the reading worse for me i don't, I, I don't know if that makes any sense <laughs> the harsh chuch. is that is that another term for weed the harsh chuch? i mean i'm sure somebody has written down a harsh chuch or two in the in the footnotes of jewish study mm, probably <laughs> i will say uh if we're going to eternal source of information wikipedia the wikipedia page spells it the way that that andy and i spell it it does list other you know alternate spellings uh but the like wikipedia.org slash is uh is spelled our way yeah i mean wikipedia <laughs> is always right so. yeah exactly <laughs> okay so let's uh let's get into like some like family stuff do you guys i mean i know that both of your families celebrate hanukkah do you how big are latkes specifically in your house i'm gonna let andy go first when i don't mean in terms how big of, yeah well i at first i didn't mean in terms of diameter but actually <laughs> i don't know how big are they in terms of diameter too in terms of diameter i would say like um like two to three inches wide i guess diameter okay not huge that's small. Uh, yeah yeah you, they're not huge but you eat a lot of them mm-hmm. right you just they're they're good they're and they're thin too if they're too thick they're too like mushy inside my preference is like a good crunchy latka yeah you gotta have that good crispiness yeah mm-hmm. i also eat them plain usually uh applesauce is okay too i not a sour cream fan just in general but uh, usually I'll just eat them plain because they're real good. Now, at your house, Andy, mm. do you serve other things as well as... I assume that we're talking about potato latkes right now. Yes, yeah. I mean, they have like onion and stuff in them, I think. Uh, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> I've, never, I've never made a latke. <laughs> but is it, is it usually just potato latkes? I don't understand the question. <laughs> so that's a yes? No, Do do you mean like... As a meal? Yeah, if you're sitting down to dinner on Hanukkah. No, no, no. We have, like, other food, and then we also have latkes on the side. Ah, okay. So here's where uh, my family tends to have a divergence, uh, where all foods are latke-based. We will have the, the standard potato latke uh, made with uh, onion and uh, dried potato, and then we'll have... My dad will make cheese latkes, which I think are a sin, <laughs> where he'll mix in, uh, I think I think he usually mixes in either cheddar or mozzarella inside the sort of latka paste. And then we'll also have salmon latkes. Oh, salmon latkes are good. Very good. Yeah. Mm. Uh, actually, we have those just anyways. Like, that's just a food that I eat. Oh, yeah, no. Salmon yeah. latkes are an anytime food. But yeah. on Hanukkah, it becomes the protein of a dish mm-hmm. as as well as, you know, part of the holiday. When my family makes latkes, we usually make way too many. Uh, and that's probably because we'll go through uh, an entire p- bag of like, like an entire 10 pound bag of potatoes mm-hmm. in one cooking session. And it is quite the disaster afterwards <laughs> do you have to peel them all first or do you keep the skins on uh i we usually peel the skins sure. uh do you have that mo- that thing that like peels it for you that machine that you can put it no, on and no, spins no. it we just Aww. we just use a knife <laughs> we just go quick with it if i'm making the potato latkes i do this thing where normally you chop up onion bits to throw into the sort of uh, mash that you would be using right not mash but like the uh potato strips that you fry yeah the, the, the mixture the mush yeah. the, the potato mushies yeah 
but I like to first caramelize the onions and then throw them in. Ooh, mm, fancy man. And it's it's so good, especially if you make like one really giant uh, latke and with a bunch <laughs> of caramelized onions and then also a little bit of onion bits. It turns into a delight. Yeah, so I made latke with my family for Hanukkah. I'm sorry, do you mean latkes? No, 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 I made latke. <laughs> what? Yeah, we got the big skillet out, and we filled the skillet, and then we flipped it, and then we made a latke. Oh, God. I feel like... It was one latke <laughs> that we ate for eight days. <laughs> I was picturing almost like a walk situation where like you just get the walk going, but then you'd end up with either a really thick latke, which wouldn't Ugh. be good, I think, or no. a really round latke, which would be fun, but also maybe not good. I'm just imagining using a wok and then making it very, very thin. And then when you flip it, you just have this... A convex bubble of yeah. latke. Yeah, well, you like make a like, a, like a like a bowl. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then you put fun. other latkes in. Exactly, it. Okay, you put wait. like salmon latkes <laughs> and your cheese latkes and your other latkes in there, and you got all this. Uh, or you can like, if you really like, make it really smooth. You can make it a dreidel Beyblade arena. <laughs> you throw a bunch of uh, spinach dip in there and have a party. Latkes are versatile. Yeah. That's how they won the war against the Romans. It was the Latkas. They made giant ones and walks that they used as shields. <laughs> so when I when I pitched this to you guys, because I, I sat down and I was figuring out, like, you know, content schedule for the month. And I was like, oh, it'd be fun to maybe do an episode on, like, the food of Hanukkah. Because, like, you know, I didn't grow up celebrating Hanukkah. I have been to a handful of, you know, Hanukkah parties. But, like, I didn't know off the top of my head what food was associated with it, right? Um and I feel like I've had latkes at other times of year. Um, but also that's because, like, you know, when I found out that they're, like, not that complicated to make because it's kind of just shredded potato and onion and stuff and then fried, I was like, well, I'm going to make these whenever I feel like it because they're delicious. Um, so when I pitched to you guys doing an episode on Hanukkah food, I can't remember who, but one of you was like, so latkes? And I was like, well, I guess if, if that's, like, the Hanukkah food. But there is, like others certainly yeah no there's, yeah, definitely yeah. there's a few other things so what uh, are we one, working with one other thing is is tradition for some families to make donuts mm -hmm. and let me tell you making donuts is so much fun because <laughs> here's the thing you know how you go to Krispy Kreme and you see them make like a fresh batch and then you ask for that one of the donuts from that fresh batch and you eat it and it's all warm and gooey and nice mm. yes Imagine eating that donut, except even sooner, fresh off the fryer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I have had some, like, homemade donuts, though. Like, uh, a few years ago, one of my cousins made, like, donuts for Hanukkah. She made some. And they were okay. But, like, even though they were fresh, they were still just kind of, like, flavorless plain donuts i don't mean to diss on your cousin but it sounds like they didn't make them right i i don't know <laughs> i mean they're better with jelly in them anyways mm. hard disagree but that's my own hot take on donuts <laughs> that's interesting i i feel like if i had to like pick one thing that i think is essential to a really good donut it's powdered sugar yeah, well well one thing is like the the donuts that they usually like traditional quote-unquote uh sufganiyot which is what they're called they're not like the 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 o-shaped donuts they're just like round ball donuts yeah they're round boys yeah exactly so it's it's a little different in terms of like 
the way that like an icing would be put on it or something like with the round guys you get the the top the all the, the icing on top and all the sprinkles and stuff and so these ones usually there's not as many of those options available i guess it's usually just like you get maybe some chocolate on top or like you get the jam in it or powdered sugar and stuff they're still good and i always want them what's your um what are each of your like absolute favorite like if you if you you know say you're like grandma is making donuts for Hanukkah and you're like oh hell yeah grandma's making donuts tonight and brings over donuts what's like if you reach for one what's the one that you'd be like most thrilled to get you know I mean if we're talking about my bubby and what she would make it was always the one donut (laughs) and it was always the one kind and they were uh short little stubby like circles that like had folded over themselves okay. and were roughly fried and w- just absolutely drenched in powdered sugar. Okay. I suspect that she would take, she would have a bowl of donuts and that she had just made and then just take the bag of powdered sugar and just plop it on side and then shake it a little bit. <laughs> Sounds good to me. As long as you don't breathe. I mean, you pop one in your mouth, you're going to sneeze. You're going to cough. <laughs> there's go- there's going to be dust in your lungs. And even if you don't breathe, it's just getting in there. It gets there. <laughs> <laughs> Those sound like the, the powdered donuts I grew up with. There was a, there was a bakery on uh, Granville Island in Vancouver that we would go to. And uh, they had, like, the powderiest powdered donuts in the universe. And every time I ate one, I was always like... Most of most of what I just purchased is now like floating in the air around me or getting wiped on my clothes. But this is delicious. We didn't really make donuts in my family ever, uh, apart from my cousin who's done it a few times. But like, if I had to choose specifically, like a a little like Hanukkah sufgani, uh, I think it would probably be like the chocolate glaze one. Those are always good. Mm. When you got like the thick chocolate glaze on it, you just bite through. You get the donut. You get the glaze on it. Makes it all. I do love a chocolate glaze. There's a Polish baker uh, not too far from my place who uh, they sell like punky um, that honestly are like, I think really not that far off from like, from Sufganiot. Like they're, they're like, you know, jelly donuts, often (laughs) powdered, whatever. Um, They make a really good one with, um, I want to say like a prune jam or a prune jelly inside. And that is like, that's heaven. That's so nice. Really? I I usually avoid the gross prune flavor (laughs) things. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, maybe maybe they use magical prunes. Tom, your age is showing. Or maybe I'm just ancient. Yep. They help with my stools. (laughs) They do. When you have a kid, you have to start worrying about these things. Mm -hmm. It's generous of you to think that I only had to start worrying about my bowels when I had a kid. I wanted to give you a little bit of an out. Oh no, it's okay. I don't deserve an out. Gross. If you're enjoying this episode so far, and I don't know why you wouldn't be, I would love for you to consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to help the show grow, and for the rest of the month of December, I'll be donating $2 to the Depot Community Food Center, my local food bank here in NDG. It takes like two minutes to leave a review, and it'll go a long way toward helping combat food insecurity on a local level. Now, before we get back into the second half of the episode, I'd like to remind you that if you're into Dungeons & Dragons specifically, you can actually listen to me, David, Andy, and a bunch of other very funny, talented people play the old D&D on a weekly basis on our other podcast, natural toonie 
If you've never listened to a D&D podcast before, basically we play a board game and we do a lot of uh, improv around it. Uh, we do it from the safety of our respective homes, obviously, and record it, and then I painstakingly edit it down into something fun to listen to, and I score it after, and it's very good. If you like me here, you will also like me on Natural Tuny, frankly. <laughs> you don't even really need to understand how the game works to enjoy the show. Um, when I started listening to D&D podcasts, I had never played D&D before in my life, and uh, I got it pretty easily. It's really a lot more about the storytelling the game is just kind of a uh, mechanical avenue for the storytelling to happen through, if that makes sense. Um, our show is not super rules heavy, so I think you would get it. You really just got to listen. It's a lot of fun. I think you'll enjoy it. All right, let's get back into it. So, Andy, you touched on this briefly when we were talking about Lacas, um, and I want to come back to it. The idea of like having them... like plain in air quotes uh versus like having them with some kind of you know sauce or or accompaniment what are some of the accompaniments i guess that can go along with them i think there's like two traditional ones and then there's always people that want to like be modern and different and so they introduce their own weird sinful uh changes (laughs) right like uh but like david's dad (laughs) exactly yeah well no that's that's the recipe that's a different kind of sin right that's just a Uh, different latke exactly uh i think like usually the the tradition is either applesauce or sour cream Mm. those are the two uh that i know of really that are the the common toppings for them and i don't i'm pretty sure there's no real traditional reason for that apart from they're both good with it sure yeah Uh, sometimes tradition is just based on yummy Exactly. Yeah. Although I don't, I don't like sour cream. So in my opinion, it's not good with it because it's not good with anything. But that's just me. No, uh, it's not. I agree. Okay. Well, then, uh, on behalf of all Jews everywhere, uh, sour cream is bad. Sour cream is bad, and you shouldn't eat it. Why would you want to eat cream that is also sour? I mean, fair enough. I can't say I agree, but I fair enough. Right, but you can't speak for all Jews like we can right no, now. No, exactly. Yeah, speaking for some Gentiles, fair enough. yeah i know i'm not a huge applesauce person so i feel like i would actually probably lean the opposite direction which uh i I don't love applesauce by itself just because the texture is baby foodie and right i'm a very like with food i'm very textural in terms of my like preferences but when you put it on the latka it the texture isn't enough that it really like comes through and you get more of the latka crunch and stuff Mm. and so it just adds a bit of like the sweetness of the apple to it which is nice. That makes That's sense. Weird. I don't. I don't agree with that. No. Mostly Why? because uh, I've never put sauces or dips on my latkes. I've always just spiced them more after they've been cooked. Mm. And okay. ah, just the a idea. Sinner. Just well, no. Just the idea <laughs> of t- applesauce and like a hot, starchy food item sounds gross. Mm. Because applesauce, it's not served at room temp. Is it the applesauce? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess it, it's it's usually served with the you just put it on a plate, right? I mean, I mean, I I usually don't take it either, honestly. I usually, like I said, I usually have them plain, but I, I I don't think I think it's room temperature. Like they wouldn't, you don't want cold applesauce on your hot latka. Yeah, but I also don't want like warm applesauce on my hot latka. I don't think I want sauce on my warm latka. <laughs> Well, that's, that's a different story entirely. Because, <laughs> like, warm apples aren't necessarily a bad thing, right? Sure. Like, in, hey, like, a pie. I'll yeah. throw on some pepper. I'll throw on some extra salt. Mm. I'll throw on some 
Cajun seasoning because it's delicious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here to say that I have a Cajun seasoning that I use on most of my food <laughs> items these days just because it's so tasty and it has such an unfortunate name for the branding. Uh-oh. It's called Slap Ya Mama. Yeah, that's not great. David, is this like so tasty? Is this like when we discovered Montreal Steak Spice, and we spent the next year or so putting it on everything? No, that wasn't. That, well, okay, that specific spice was <laughs> not just Montreal Steak Spice. It was Montreal Steak Spice from a specific spice factory I used to work at, and I got to take free grinders home. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's blend. Whatever they do to it is different. And it's better, <laughs> and I suspect that it has to do with it. There's more coriander in it. I'm not 100 percent sure, but it was tasty. Here's a fun little. This is my claim to fame as a family: is that my grandfather's first cousin invented Montreal steak spice. Wow. Yeah, that is a, a that is a pretty big claim to fame. He was the first yeah. person to make steak spice in Montreal and went, "This is Montreal now." Well, he worked at uh, he worked at Schwartz's, okay. and they were the people that really like. Uh, like popularized that mix and yeah. he was the one who sort of came up with it he was uh morris the shadow sherman they called him the shadow because he was so skinny that when you turned him sideways uh you could only see his shadow oh fuck i just started typing in morris the shadow sherman and by the time i got to morris the sha google was already there it was like do yeah. you mean morris the shadow sherman mm-hmm. damn he was a, a cousin of my grandfather's wow well that's cool yep yeah, it's cool. I've never eaten a Chortzis because it's not kosher. <laughs> Thanks, Uncle. But it's kosher style. That's good enough, <clears throat> yeah. no? Yeah, sure. I've had so many people come up to me and been like, so you've been to Schwartz's? I'm like, no. <laughs> but it's kosher. Style. No. Well, uh, I have been to Schwartz's, and uh, let me tell you, it's good. That's that's all. Thanks. So shout out to your great uncle. I'll I'll pass it on. <laughs> so what I'm hearing from both of you is that you prefer your latkes plain. I like mine with a bit of slapped mama. Sure, yeah. Well, you like to slap your mom with latkes. Yeah. Um, I I feel like this makes a lot of sense to me because latkes like it's a fried potato thing, right? And fried potato things are often really good if you just like get them salty enough and go at them. It's like a weird shaped French fry almost. Yeah, and like, I mean, that's but at the same time, at the same time, putting ketchup on a latka would be grounds for excommunication. I think. Okay. It is a thing people do, though. I have <clears throat> seen it, shouldn't it happen. Be. It's just not. <laughs> no, it doesn't need it. Like, no. Like I'm, I love ketchup, and I love it on fries and all like slather fries in it and it's great i i don't want that on my latka fair it does, enough doesn't need it doesn't it don't need it yeah no that's perfectly reasonable yeah um now tom mm-hmm. i'm surprised at this point you haven't asked what's the difference between a latka and a hash brown uh, i went over that that's why it's the herbs and latka you know the dye and everything yeah exactly. well i want to hear tom's real answer so to me a hash as opposed brown. to your make make pretend answer yeah for for me it's it's a textural thing right because latkes are shredded it's it's shredded potato it's like a mixture onion shredded potato etc etc i don't think that i would ever have an egg mixed in as part of the mixture for a hash brown which i think is also traditional to latkes am i right about that egg in the Uh, mixture it is a a 50 50 on that sometimes yes sometimes no fair enough um but yeah i i think the key thing really for me as the difference is uh, like it's it's textural and it's prep 
preparation, right? Because where alaka is like, yeah, I, I guess pan fried, I would like argue that a good hash brown has to be like deep fried. Usually like chunks of potato, sometimes like so heavily processed that it's like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, the, the hash browns you get at McDonald's, like the, the puck kind of hash brown. Yeah. Like you can make those at home too. And like that, I wouldn't like, that's nowhere near a latka. It's a very different product, but like, I would, so, yeah. you know, I would argue you could maybe like interchange them in some way like, or no, no, you couldn't. Here's what I'm thinking. I think any situation where a hash brown would be nice. You could swap that hash brown out for a latka, and it would also be nice. I don't think you could swap a latka out for a hash brown. Does this no, make yeah. sense? <laughs> yeah. I feel like, yeah, hash browns are more like patties, like like contiguous patties by the way that they're sort of mulched, right? Yeah. Mm. And latkes are more like a loose collection of potato strips. I would also say that if you were to take go through the process of making hash browns, and some hash browns do call, some hash brown recipes do call for shredded uh, potatoes, but if you were to take that recipe and just add an onion i would say you have a latka okay because hash browns to my knowledge don't traditionally come with onions no all latkes that i've ever had always come yeah i think it's like the onion is next to potato in terms of like mandatory ingredient in in a latka right yeah like the only circumstance where you wouldn't have onion in your latka is if you were serving it to someone who was allergic to onion yeah, at which Can point you, you would say, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no latkes for you." Yeah, people have people have allergies to allergies. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sometimes you, you God, really I feel anything. so bad for them. Yeah, well, it's like I have a garlic allergy, and garlic and onions are in the same family. So, I'm very That's sorry for you. Sad day. It's okay. It's not like serious enough to keep me away from garlic. It's just serious <laughs> enough that garlic makes me feel bad, so I still eat garlic. You know, you just suffer for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just makes you have to eat more prunes later. That's it. More prunes. All the prunes. Okay, I have a final Latka question. Uh, again, this is probably going to be one that comes down to preference. Do you eat them cold? Like next day, leftover? Reheat. That's my answer. Okay. I mean, you can eat them cold. I don't know why you would want to, because they just taste better warm. Okay. It's like cold fries. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. Like there, I think it's a similar thing to cold fries in that if you have them and they're still out after being made the first time and they're like kind of not as hot as they were when they first like came off the stove and were served mm-hmm. and they're still c- kind of cool now you could eat them and it'd be okay but if you were to like put them in the fridge overnight and then come back the next day i wouldn't want to eat it without rewarming it okay yeah they're probably a bit soggy at that point and they've lost a lot of their texture uh, in the crunch department which is mm-hmm. really what you're looking for in a good mm-hmm. latke it's just oh, yeah. the, the satisfying sound of crunch that's fair, yeah. I guess with, with the amount of surface area that they have, they like the moisture situation is not great overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Although I will say that if you make them very, very thin so that they're very crispy, uh, to the point of basically being chips uh, potato paper. <laughs> Which is my new favorite way of saying chips. Thank <laughs> <Yeah>. you, Andy. <laughs> I could see eating those the next day mm. as being fine cold because there wasn't enough moisture to begin with to get them soggy. Right. But they still probably won't be as satisfying. Yeah, I feel like just the fact that I associate it with being better warm anyways, like I wouldn't want to have it cold. Like even if it was still had the same texture, it just the mouthfeel would be wrong to have it cold. Sure. Right? Because it's part of the whole thing. You get the warmth and you get the crunch and everything. And if it's just like cold and soggy or not, like 
even if it's not soggy and it's still crunchy, I think it wouldn't be the same. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, that makes sense. I think there's there's a lot of things that you can get away with eating the next day cold, but as a, I don't think it's a rule that everything has to be like as good the next day. I think there's there's certainly no. <laughs> there's certainly something to be said for foods that like are best served fresh and uh most things that rely heavily on being uh fresh out of oil are those things, you know. I think they reheat pretty well though if you like put them in if you re- reheat them in the oven instead of the microwave. Mm, right. Or like a toaster oven or even like it it doesn't become soggy and like I know when when my grandmother used to make them uh she used to, what she would do is at the beginning of the holiday, she would make a ton, like a ton of latkes, like way too many latkes. <laughs> and she would just like either freeze them or refrigerate them. And then just like as the holiday continued and we, people would come over or she would go over to other people's houses, she would like bring out a certain amount at a time and then just reheat those and serve those. And they were still really good. So if you reheat them properly and don't just put them in the microwave and just like make it make it warm. I'm about to blow your goddamn frickin' mind I'm here. I'm excited. There is a way Refry. to microwave oh. latkes and have them be good and not soppy, soggy messes. It is the same way that one should microwave a pizza if you have to microwave a pizza. Because you know when you put a pizza in the microwave, the bread gets all, like, some parts of it gets hard and some of it gets, like, real soggy? Bold of you to assume I ever have leftover pizza in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Well, have you never microwaved pizza? Mm-mm. Not even a one time? No. Okay. Well, here's here's the trick to avoiding all of that jazz. If you take a glass of water, fill it halfway, make sure it is microwave safe, and put it next to the thing you're microwaving that would normally turn into a soggy, crappy mess, it helps. And it will make that food item not disgustingly texture bad. And now David is going to explain the science of this to us. Not even a little bit, because it's fucking magic to me. (laughs) I did it this afternoon to some pizza that was left over because I couldn't eat an entire pizza to myself. I I know I'm a disappointment to you, Tom. But I did. I remembered that trick because the the oven was being used and the toaster oven was also in use. (laughs) And so I microwaved my pizza with a glass of water next to it and it came out perfect. Almost as if I toasted it. How did the water taste? Uh, you don't drink the water. Uh. It, 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. Have something against <laughs> drinking tap water that is cold, that is warm. Yeah. Drinking warm tap water is weird and bad, and you should feel bad. Don't drink warm water. <laughs> don't At drink all. warm water. It's yeah, some people like like hot water with lemon or like or even not. No, well, that's sure. different. You've added a flavor to it. That's it's or even without. Type of some people just like hot water. No, those people that's are wrong and bad. Wrong. Yeah. Oh, it's not me. I, I'm not one of them. I'm just saying. It's, it sounds like I, I've heard of it before. It sounds like you're uh, you're a hot water drinker. I am a hot wa- water drinker, but I put leaves in it first. No, that no, that's dirty leaf hot water. But it's still hot water. No, it's tea now. It's not hot water. <laughs> Is that how that works? Yeah. Did I did I alchemy it? Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely alchemied it. You did a cook. Yeah. Wow. That's absolutely how tea works. I I'm mean, gonna... you cook the leaves, right? That's what steeping is? Yeah. Is so, it... Andy, you have done a lot of cooking in your day. Is it? Is that? Is that is that how that works? Is that what I mean, is what, what is, steeping is? What is what is cooking? In a sense, it is getting something hot yeah, to, to make the point food that hot, it changes food. its attribute. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's true. Andy, I guess so this you... means you are 
an amazing cook when when the food I guess so I wouldn't say an amazing leaves. cook I'd say an experienced yeah, cook I, yeah I, I, yeah I, I have done a lot of it <laughs> <laughs> you got your 10,000 hours yeah, yeah I've I'm very very good at preparing tea in the way that I like it just hot water <laughs> applesauce sour cream reheated the next day exactly you got it yeah you got it <laughs> oh man no ketchup's on the side I dip the ketchup in the tea <laughs> oh gross <laughs> You freeze it first and it holds together. Disgusting. Uh, Well, that feels like a good place for us to wrap up. Guys, thank you so much for phoning in and telling me all about latkes and donuts and Hanukkah. Uh, I really appreciate not only you making the time, but also you kind of giving me a little like cultural lesson about the sort of, you know, food of a holiday that I don't personally know very much about. So thank you. I think this was really cool. And hopefully people listening also got something out of it. Do you have anything you want to, any last thoughts on Hanukkah, on latkes, on donuts, on Donner and Blitzen before we wrap up? I will say that it was always a pleasure, Tom, to come onto the podcast and just phone it in. It's my favorite thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then also I want to issue a challenge to Andy to make a latke because I know he hasn't done it. Nah. Uh... (laughs) Yeah, when you uh, asked me to be on the thing here, I was like, "Oh, it's a food podcast. I don't, I don't really cook. I don't know what I'm going to do here." But fortunately, like we barely talked about food, so it's great. Yeah, I mean, we kind of talk around food, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we didn't yeah. talk about guilt. Yeah, I, I, we didn't talk about guilt we for a second. I thought guilt. you said guilt, and I was like, I, "That comes with it." it that's a, that's another part of it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Guilt is chocolate coins. Yes, chocolate coins. There we go. We talked about you guilt. Eat them. Nailed it. <laughs> they're always bad and terrible. What? No, they're great. Only the milk chocolate ones are good. Yeah, All of the course. Other ones are shitty. Yeah, you only buy the milk chocolate ones. The other ones are bad. It must be nice having parents with eyes. It is. It's great. They don't walk into things. Uh, they don't buy the wrong kind of gel. Mm, beautiful. I love it. Mm. Yep. I know that feeling. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> if you want to hear more of the three of us doing dumb nonsense together uh you can check out natural toonie the dungeons and dragons podcast that the three of us are all on together and uh do either of you have anything else you want to plug while we're here follow me on instagram at andy sherman art i post things there and sometimes i post things there follow you follow andy on instagram the uh thing he said and he does think sometimes and uh i plugged andy i'll, I'll leave you an interesting fact about me for the end sure. uh, andy is actually short for andy Ochus, so there you go nice that's a hanukkah joke i don't get it i know i didn't think you would <laughs> and that brings us to the end of our show thank you so much for listening to up for discussion do you have a favorite way to eat your latkes a favorite kind of donut maybe you like to stuff your donuts with a specific kind of fruit jam that we didn't mention on this episode you can tell us all about it on Twitter and Instagram at DownWithTalking. If you like this episode and you want to help us make the show even better, you can go to patreon.com slash upfordiscussion to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'd be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendallin, Carlea, Thomas, George Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Kate, Erica, and Chantal. Our patrons get access to our Discord server, the ability to request topics for episodes of the show, invites to exclusive Zoom dinner parties, and so much more. That's patreon.com slash upfordiscussion. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Public, and of course you can support us for free by leaving a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend i'll reiterate that if you leave a rating or review on apple podcasts or itunes if you're old-fashioned like me by the end of this month uh, i will be donating two dollars for every new review we get um, to the depot food bank 
my neighborhood food bank, the Depot Community Center. I can never remember their full name. Anyway, the Depot. I will give them money. <laughs> uh, our theme music is by Zach Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Flam. You can find links to support both of them in the description of this episode. And last but certainly not least, this show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Happy Hanukkah. We'll see you next week. You understand. Just takes a little time, it takes a little time, it takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind, we'll take it slow this time. I'm October Jones, and Hi, this is... I'm fish with legs. I'm a fish with legs. Fish. I'm the elemental creature of water. And I'm here to tell you about my podcast called October Jones and Fish with Legs, starring me and my best friend, <laughs> October Jones. Nailed it. October and Fish is a fictional series that follows me and Fish with Legs as we try to stop an evil two-headed snake from releasing a terrible monster. And make friends, and go on adventures, and get captured a lot, and escape a lot, and encounter racism. And what? And learn very special lessons every third episode. I have not learned a single lesson. Yes, you did. We learned about being friends, and authoritarianism, and colonialism, and how to defeat a giant crab. Authoritarianism? They're in authority for a reason, Fish with Legs. If everyone followed the rules set in place by the human government, then there wouldn't be- for adults and kids. (laughs) New episodes on Mondays. You can find it wherever you find podcasts, and of course, on the Upford website. Okay, that's it. Bye! Hey there, campers. My name is Emmett, and I'm the host of Gaze in the Woods, a podcast that explores rural LGBTQIA2 experiences, from radical fairies and lesbian farmers to backwoods slam poets and community organizers organizing communities the community didn't know were there all along. Can you have a pride parade when you're the only gay in the village? What is camp when you live in a trailer? And if a genderqueer bear shares their pronouns in the forest and nobody gets it, is anything real? I don't know, but let's find out together on Gaze in the Woods, an Upford Network podcast.